None of what you're about to hear is inspired by a true story. It is a true story. My name is Reed Domingo, and I robbed 12 banks in San Diego, California. I didn't hurt anyone. I never wanted to. I did it all for love and to pay for the devastating debts racked up from the costs of IVF needed for my wife and I to start a family. Let me tell you about how I reached such a point in my life, the wonderful things that happened to me before, during, and after the robberies, and how I found redemption by helping others during my time in prison. So here then, in my own words and in my own voice, is my story. Oh, it's nothing. It's just allergies. You know, that time of the year. Nothing to worry about. You know, nothing major. Yeah, was my eye red? It was, but not for the reasons that I told him. I remember when I came home, my little girl came running into my arms. I picked her up and I hugged her so hard because I knew there was a potential that I couldn't have been home that night. I came into the kitchen and Patrice was standing there and here comes Chummy round the corner. Daddy! I loved that. Coming home every day and hearing my little girl cry out for her daddy was amazing. Oh, could you give Chummy a bath? Yeah, no problem. I took Chummy into our bathroom, stripped her off, chucked her in the shower. I'm not sure if I threw the dogs in there with her, but I think it was just Chummy. I jumped in there. She was sitting in a little seat to the floor, and... Uh, she was singing, I was splashing her in the face with the shower nozzle. And while I was drying her on the uh, bathroom counter, I looked in the mirror and I told myself, don't ever do that again. I knew I'd been so lucky to have gotten away with robbing a bank. Patrice had means and so her apartment really looked wonderful. She drove a BMW, a little BMW 5 Series, and again, I came on my bike, and this is kind of a, just a funny sort of aside. <laughs> when I went in, she had her kitchen set up, and where the stove was, there was a chair in the corner. And she told me, oh, take a seat here while I'm cooking, and you can sit in the kitchen. There wasn't a kitchen table in there. She had a separate dining room. When she said, oh, I, I've made a lasagna, I'm sitting on the chair drinking a beer. She's on the other side, and she opens up the oven to take out the lasagna. So I'm standing on the opposite side. She's facing me. And as she opens the oven door and then bends down to pull out the lasagna, as she bends down, her T-shirt sort of bows down at the bottom. And totally unbeknownst to Patrice, as she bends down, I can totally see down the top of her T-shirt. And there are her boobs sitting beautifully cupped in a gorgeous bra. And I made a joke with her afterwards. This was like a floor show before dinner. Obviously, Patrice was so embarrassed, thinking that I thought that she had set that chair there purposely to give me that show. I mean, that was how embarrassing it was. But at the end of that night, when we had a great time talking the whole time, she'd made a beautiful dinner for us. When I left, it was the first time that we actually had a kiss. But it was still just a very, very simple kiss. But at that moment, I think we both realized that this had some potential to go somewhere. 
And about a week later, I saw Patrice again, and it was at that time that we both decided, yeah, let's start dating. It was wonderful because I, I think from that day, I don't think I slept in my apartment again. I was starting to work out. Uh, I gained a lot of weight with my pregnancies, I just do. Uh, so I, there's a local gym, and I used to go there and uh, take classes at noon because I could bring in both of my kids at that time. And uh, over a period of time, instructors stopped showing up, didn't show up, standing there waiting. Everybody's in babysitting kids, moms, you know, and just like, oh, you know, what are we going to do? It took so much for us to get here. And then I just did it so much. I thought, you know, one time there was, nobody showed up. I thought, I could do a little bit of it. You know, back then it was, I mean, this was uh, very early 80s. I started off um, way back when, when it was just arm circles to uh, Donna Summer, you know, and that was like a cardio workout for 12 minutes. So, you know, leg warmers, all that different types of stuff. So anyways, and I thought, you know, we were doing a little aerobics at that time, you know, the leg warmers, the whole bit. And I just thought, I, I could, if you guys want to, I could take you through a couple things. And they were like, sure, yeah. You know, we came out down, we had kids, all of our kids knew each other from babysitting and everything. So I started doing that. It started happening more. And they're like, gosh, you know, um, do you want to become an instructor? And I'm like, what? There's no, I mean, I don't know anything, you know, instructor. Oh my gosh. And they're like, no, we really could use it. And, uh, you know, you seem to do, you know, pretty good. We'll, we'll, we'll help you a little bit, put some stuff together. And cause we need help with these new classes. And I thought, sweet, free membership, free babysitting. And I can just come here. I'm going to come here anyways. Great. One hour. I can do that. So I just thought, oh my God, what did I do? But that, that was me. I just say yes first, figure it out later. So I did, and it started. And then before I knew it, I was the noon teacher Monday through Friday. I mean, that was it. Dependable. Here I was, kids, the whole bit. Um, and then from there, they were like, we need help. And uh, we need help with the other instructors and in doing, you know, scheduling and helping them and that type of stuff. Would you be interested? Just be, you come here, you can do it at home. You don't have to be here with your kids. Uh, great. Okay, cool. Good. I could do that. Yeah, I, I know most instructors. Sure, I can do that. So did a really good job. Didn't know how. I just made up, you know, formats and did it. My husband was a corporate officer, you know, very regimented. And this is how you do certain things. And I thought, okay, he can help me and I can do this. So I did. And then before I knew it, then another gym. Oh, we need help at this other gym. Can you help us. Great. So it just went on and on. More classes, teach here, teach there, but you can take your kids, all that kind of stuff. And that was the biggest thing for me, babysitting. Oh my gosh. So then it went to another club. So then before I knew it, I had three clubs. Then they were building new clubs and they're like, okay, we really need your help. You know, you're doing so good. Can you help us with setting up the fitness programs for these other places? We're going to make you a manager of all of these. Uh, the owner really likes you. So basically, to make a long story short, it turned into 10 fitness clubs. So 10 clubs, some of them were 30,000 square foot facilities. Then I became a regional manager of Region 10. And I was managing all of these large facilities, setting them up, uh, doing all the hiring, uh, teaching. I had training programs I was putting instructors through. But this was over a 10-year period of time in there. Uh, a lot of training, conventions, bringing in new programs for our facilities, traveling around. That's a good idea. We can use that. That's safe. This is good, you know. And so it just blossomed into this huge position. 
So got to meet a lot of people. It was very, very strong in the industry at that time. Fitness, you know, was rising, uh, bodybuilding for women coming out of the Miss Fitness, where it was just kind of like a bathing suit uh, competition, went to more serious training for women and stepping up. And so I started doing a lot of bodybuilding. I was always kind of a tomboy prior. I rode you know, dirt bikes and, and climbed trees and did all different types of things that, you know, were different. I was just, I made my own way. So anyway, so through all of that, that's kind of where it started in the gym atmosphere. So I was already pretty much planted in that before I even met Reed. So Reed was at one of my facilities. Um, it was actually my uh, my office, my home office, because it was in the center of where the clubs were. So I could go, because each time I'd rotate clubs as a regional and managers, and I would teach at most of them, but that was my training club, my hiring club. That was where my, my stationary office was. So that's where I would do my personal workouts. Um, at that time, I started to train with weightlifting, and I was going to start doing the Miss Fitness. They were going to sponsor me, and I was going to do the Miss Fitness competitions at that time. So I was doing a lot of bodybuilding. And uh, so I didn't meet Reed there first at the gym. It was more through... Uh, an instructor that I had. Turned out that uh, we would at that time mix our own music, make our own stuff. We had, uh, she said, oh, my boyfriend has some turntables and we can, because I was paying to have my music all mixed together. You had to do everything custom. And she goes, we can come over to my apartment one time and he can mix some, some you know, music. And then um, she did it too. And she goes, we can do that. And I said, okay, cool. So we did. And I came over and that was the first time that I met Reed was then. Uh, he just walked in two seconds, and I just thought, oh, okay, you know. And then uh, he said hi, and I thought, oh, whoa, he has an accent. She goes, oh, yeah, he's from England and stuff. I thought, oh, okay, great. Just look young, accent, nothing, you know, like it was just hi, you know, niceties, finish mixing our stuff and everything. She goes, okay, great, and then I'll, um, we'll put it together and stuff, and I had to go. Uh, and then he started working out at the main location where I was at. So I'd see him all the time. Hey, hi. You know, Trish would come in. She had a lot of classes that she would teach there. So we were just all friends, you know, nothing, nothing like, oh, you know, we had a good like rant back together. Like he had quick wit, that British humor that's very cutting. But now I know about it. That time I'm like, whoa, that's that's But I would keep up with him. I'd give it right back to him. I'm like, da, da, da. And then walk away. So it wasn't like, a flirting, but it was like um, both of us very smart and fast-paced in the mind, but different. He was educated, very, very smart person, educated books, anything. You can ask him anything he know about. You're like, how do you know that? You know, I'm not like that. I'm more, um, I know things, but I'm more uh, tap into people. I just know things, sense, I can feel things. Um, but anyways, so it was nice to have somebody that I could have that type of conversation with that could keep up with me because most of the time they'd get wounded or like, I don't know what you're talking about. And so it, that was cool. So we had fun just ranting back, just good friends, really good friends. So time went by and then he was like, hey, you know, you want to we'll go for a ride and great. So we did. We went for a ride and he took me up to... Uh, Palomar Mountain, and it was beautiful ride up into the mountains, and uh, and then he was like, oh, do you mind if I go fast, you know? 
and there's this big long straightaway and I'm thinking yeah no I don't mind I had my, my little streak in me I'm like cool yeah oh my gosh so that first ride he he got on it and I never knew that those bikes could go that fast but it was a straight line almost blew my helmet off and I thought oh it was so it was so crazy but that was his his nature he had that little crazy streak and I kind of liked it it was neat it was different with everything I was going through so okay that was fun yeah okay thanks yeah and so then um and I think from then we're like oh do you want to get some lunch or something we're like yeah okay we went and got lunch and we ate and and stuff and it was just a wonderful no pressure nothing we weren't thinking it wasn't a date or anything it was just like hey have fun we went out outside and had fun but then we went out to eat and conversation and it was funny and we laughed and just had a good time and then from there it was like hey do you want to go out again do you want to talk and stuff and then it kindly went to that situation where all of a sudden we're like whoa and I'm thinking no way for you you're five years younger than me and mentally I was felt like 10 but not that he was a you know young or anything like that but it just you know what I was responsible for coming from a marriage to, you know, a guy that was, you know, pretty, you know, black and white corporate, just kind of stuffy, but fine, you know, stable husband in a sense, you know, kids, having three kids now at that time. And I'm thinking, there's no way, you know, me with you, you're starting your life and you're young, you know, uh, and so it was just kind of more like that. No, okay, we're just, you know, and him, me to like, oh, yeah, you can call your friends and go, oh, yeah, I'm dating this lady. Yeah, she's going through a divorce and she's five years older than me and she has three kids. Your friends or family are going to be like, what? Are you crazy? You know, like, what the heck? So you never know kind of where love is going to find itself. And, you know, so anyway, so we just kind of let that go, laughed about it. But we just continued on enjoying each other. We enjoyed each other. We had a good time. It was fun. It was different. And the laughter, the laughter. And I did fun things. And it was great. It was great. And he was, you know, not that my kids, because of everything going through, they knew him because of prior situation. And not that they were around all the time, but he was great with them. You know, like, hey, okay, you know, whatever. Didn't try to be anything. Or I didn't try to make them be anything around them. Uh, so it was just a comfortable situation. I remember that second time that Patrice cooked for me. Came over to her place. Again, the table was set. She was wearing a beautiful top and some shorts. She'd cooked a wonderful meal for us. We sat, we ate our meal on opposite sides of the table, chatting, laughing. I think I was drinking a beer. She was drinking a wine cooler. We had a wonderful evening together. Let's just say how wonderful was it? Uh, I only left the next morning. Once I'd been working for two years in Southern California, I'd obtained what's called residency, California residency. And as such, that opened a whole new door to me. If I'd wanted to go to school and take classes as a foreign student, the cost per class would have been about $1,000. But as a California resident... The cost of the classes, $20 a class. Significant difference. So to achieve that, I looked into it and I realized that the best way to start off was actually to go to what's called community college. 
the entrance is very easy. You basically just have to go in and sign your name. But it wasn't as if I was starting off at San Diego State or Cal State, San Diego, anything like that. So I enrolled myself in a couple of classes at Murmar College. And again, because students are coming from all over the United States, when you first start a university course, they have to bring everybody up to the same level. So you have to take intermediate, not really even advanced, mathematics classes, English classes, geography, history, sociology, really sort of basic classes. But the intent of that is to make sure that by the time you move to your major, everybody should have basically the same grounding. So how I did that was basically I would do my regular job in the day working for my dad, and obviously if I had to travel, so be it. So I took classes in the evening. And I think I definitely signed up for some math and some English. I was taking maybe two or three classes a semester in the evening. At the end of a year, I had taken maybe 16 classes. I had achieved straight A's and was on the Dean's Honor List. I presented that certificate to my dad one time. I took a copy of it, sent it to him. And while talking to my dad about it, he was so happy and so impressed that I was on the Dean's Honor Roll. And he asked me, Reid, if you focused on this full time, how long would it take you to get a degree? And I said, mm, two to three years max. My dad paused and said, do it. I'd like you to go to university and achieve your degree. But, what, what, what I really, but dad, if I do that, I, I have to be there full time. I know, son. Do this. Go to school full-time. Biozyme will pay your full salary to you to cover your expenses. And don't come into the office. They can run that without you. All I want you to do is focus on getting your degree. Really, Dad? So I just go to school in the daytime. Don't have to go to the office. You'll pay my full salary. Yes. All right, Dad, where do I sign? Ah, oh, but there is a proviso. When you achieve your degree, Reed, then come back and resume your position at the company. Oh, Dad, of course I will. Thank you so much. What an awesome offer. So here I was, a full-time student. It was wonderful. For me, the American educational system is very, very straightforward. What I like about that system is you're not studying the same classes for a whole year, just a semester. Then you get that done done and dusted, put aside, you move on to another class. I think it was kind of reminded me of obviously when I was in the university in the UK and I had those annual exams, those end of year exams. And obviously if you fail that end of year exam, you've lost that whole year. The worst case that you would have in the United States is you might just have to repeat one class out of four or five that you were taking that semester. So I really resonated with the way school was run in America, and I enjoyed it fully. I also had a schedule where I was always off by 12 p.m. on a Thursday afternoon, and I didn't have to return back to class until 2 p.m. on a Monday. That afforded me the ability to go motorcycle racing on the weekend. We both were into motorcycles at the time. So I think we had our street bikes first. And I had a big, I was a big guy. I had a big muscle bound crotch rocket. They call it motorcycle. It's called a Yamaha FJ 1200. And it's just a big cruiser style motorcycle. Reed went out and bought a Yamaha, what's called a FZR 
1000. So his was 1000, mine was 1200. Technically mine's bigger, but his is made for racing. Mine's more made for cruising with a big muscle motor. But we would go riding all over the place. Funny stories about this and that one time we were at, at a stoplight goofing off on our motorcycle side by side. We loved it. I mean, this is just one of those things that brought Reed and I closer together. It was something that we shared that we were equally passionate about was motorcycles. But I'll never forget this. We're stopped at a red light. And mind you, we're young people. So today at 57 and a half, I wouldn't do this. But then, you know, you're 23, 25, whatever. Um, we're stopped at a red light in Saver Springs Parkway in San Diego going eastbound. And we were going to race. We're going to take off. When that light turns green, we're going to see who can hit the clutch and the gas best. Reed's always, I, I admit it to everybody who could hear this, Reed has always been a more fearless, reckless, crazy, spontaneous, adventure, dare I say less responsible, but goofy, just balls to the wall, go. I could never compete with Reed regarding those kind of things because I tend to be a little more scared, a little more sane. I think I'll live longer with my, my mentality, but the light turns green. Reed hits a perfect combination of throttle and clutch release and his FZR 1000 shoots out like a space shuttle. Woof! He goes crazy. James, who's trying to keep up with his racer buddy, hits a little too much gas and a little too much clutch. And instead of going straight forward, I pop a wheelie and my front wheel comes off the ground and I shoot across the parking lot on one wheel. Well, after I finished cleaning up on myself because I scared the bejeebies out of myself, the wheel came back down. Thank God I did not crash. I pulled over because I couldn't breathe. I was so terrified. Like I was literally hanging on for life. But for the grace of God, I would have been splat. I wouldn't have killed me, but I would have wrecked my bike. And, you know, and I was goofing off, you know, so ah, that was one fun, crazy memory. I'm glad I survived it. That was on our street bikes. Um, in 1987 or either 88, one of those years, we bought matching dirt bikes. Big muscle-bound dirt bikes. They were identical, red and white, called YZ490, Yamaha YZ490s. And we would go take those down to the dirt and ride, get all of our leathers and all of our stuff and ride in the dirt go jumping dunes and all that stuff. And I was always still scared. Reed was like, ah, we can make it over that cliff. And I was like, nah, let me just, you know, gingerly. I was always kind of the more scared one. I was having fun, but I just wasn't reckless as my buddy was. At that time, at that age, I think he's very confident about his skills, but he really, he, he didn't let fear restrain him. So that's why I say, I saw him more as fearless because I knew my fear kept me a little slower. As things started to progress with Patrice and myself, what really drew me to her was just her open, positive personality. Now I'm involved with somebody that's not asking me for anything, genuinely enjoying my time. Every time I saw Patrice, she would put a smile on my face. I used to love to go around to the gym the front desk staff knew that Patrice and I were seeing each other, so I was able to just basically walk through reception, down the corridor, 
to the office that Patrice used to have at the end. I always remember knocking on the door and hearing Patrice say, oh, come in, and then just sticking my hand around the corner and watching her face light up. We would play racquetball together all the time and go to 24-hour, or what was then called Family Fitness Center, and we would go to Family Fitness Center and play racquetball for hours and leave drenched with sweat. And of course, we were all smack talkers. So we were always talking about who's the best baller, who got the best shot, who's the fastest hustler. And um, that was, racquetball was a big thing for us. We had a bunch of friends at the time, both in the police academy and out of the police academy. So we would go bowling. We weren't all bowlers, but we would go goof off and we all bought bowling balls and thought we would learn how to be professional bowlers. And we did that for a while there. And of course, there was always a party at, at usually at Toby in my house. And then at one point in 88, August of 88, I got married. I was the first one to get married. And I got married, and um, of course, both of those guys, I believe, I believe both of them were in my wedding. And, um, and then the other one got married, and then we got into making babies and, you know, whatnot. So our, our third musketeer, Toby, was going to go with us on our debut ride, our, our maiden voyage. We drove down to what's now near the border of United States, Mexico, and we're, we got all our leather gear, all of our helmets. We got all of our stuff, brand brand new. Day one, we're going to ride these new motorcycles. And Toby wants to go with us because he's excited and tells us, I used to ride motorcycles. Now we're, what, 24 years old, something like that, 25, whatever we were. This is not your daddy's motorcycle. This is a different breed of motorcycle. You can't just get on it like you used to ride. So be careful. So while we're leathering up, putting our helmets on, Toby got some shorts, probably some flip flops on. He gets on my brand new bike that nobody's ever ridden before, including me on day one, like the first 10 minutes of, of being out there. We got it off the truck. We got it on the kickstand. I'm getting all ready. We're gonna go riding, but we only have two motorcycles, James and Reed. So he gets on my bike. Yeah, of course, he's my brother. You know, go ride it, have fun. And w the circle that we that he did, it was a little, just a flat ground, no berms, no whoops, no crevices. Just a flat circle was probably maybe 30 to 40 yards around. So a little circle. He goes around once. He goes around the second time. I guess in his mind, he had felt out the bike enough. And the famous phrase he says was, check me out, bro. So we look up and Toby guns the throttle and pops out the clutch. And my brand new one day old, one minute old motorcycle says, whoosh. And it launches, pops a wheelie, and starts doing like eight million somersaults in the air, deposited him on his butt behind him. So of course we're first afraid, are you okay? When we realized he was okay, now I wanna go get my brand new bike. It's got scratches on it. Like, what did you crash my motorcycle? I haven't even got to ride it yet. But the phrase was, check me out, bro. Cause he was gonna show off and do something. Well, he was fine. He was not hurt. His ego, his ego was hurt. I picked up my motorcycle, had a couple of dings here and there, but dirt bikes are made to crash. Now, that happened in 1988 on these brand new motorcycles. 
Toby. James and Reed are the only three people that have heard that phrase, that know that phrase, check me out, bro, relating to our motorcycles, my motorcycle. Could have been on Reed's, that would have been better, but it was mine. For Patrice and myself, we were in a position where we could go out to eat a lot. From one aspect, it was just convenience to be able to go straight from the gym, straight to a restaurant and get something to eat. Plus, also, I didn't really want Patrice to always be cooking. She worked a full day, and therefore I didn't want her to cook in the evening. What was so amazing with Patrice was the fact that we could sit there and talk for hours about anything. The conversation never dried up between the two of us. And the other thing that we always did was laugh. We were always laughing about something. I have a bit of a quirky personality and a bit of an offbeat sense of humor, but it totally resonated with Patrice. She loved my British sensibilities, throwing in my British words. I taught her the word rubbish. Never heard of that. What is rubbish? Oh, I'll tell you what rubbish is. So there were things like that, that she liked my little British colloquialisms. And, uh, and obviously the British accent was such a neat little thing for her. As we had the bike, most of our Sundays used to be going out for a ride. We would meet up with some friends of ours at a Yamaha dealership, and that was the last building before the exit of Poway towards Palomar Mountain. As the road wound up, it quite often it would be kind of misty, almost foggy in the morning. But as you rose up the mountain road, you'd get to a place called Julian. And always, just as you crested and came into Julian, it was like you just transformed into another world. The clouds would break and it would be glorious sunshine. Now we're on the mountain roads. With us riding, it didn't really take Patrice that long to get really comfortable with it. And when we were on the bike, we rode as one. How good were we? We used to be able to overtake guys that were riding by themselves. And with Patrice on the back, I was able to manipulate that bike, slide it left, slide it right, pass guys that thought they were going balls out on their bike. And yet I would fly past them like they were tied to a post. Quite often when we would get to the top of the mountain, there was a cafe there. Guys used to come over to me and say, were you the guy on the FZR? The guy was somebody on the back. And I go, yeah, that was me. And they'd say, you're a nut job. You're crazy, man. Just made me laugh. As a full-time student, I had a lot of free time. I'd scheduled my classes for most of them to be in the early morning, so for most days, I was already finished by lunchtime. I would then find out which gym Patrice was teaching at and surprise her by taking her out to lunch. I loved spending time with Patrice. She just put a smile on my face. Because Patrice was so well-known in the fitness industry, whenever I went to any one of the gyms where she worked, people knew, oh, you're here for Patrice? Oh, come on through. One of the funny things that happened, because of, I suppose because of the British accent, word started to go around that Patrice was dating this British guy. But he doesn't look British, but, but he is British, you can tell by his accent. So somebody started a rumor that I was a prince. And it didn't matter how much I denied it. In fact, the more I denied it, the bigger it became. In the end, we just went with it. And I used to say, well, I, I prefer not to speak about it. And that was just a little joke that Patrice and I used to have, that everybody thought, oh, Patrice is dating a prince. Prince of what country? Who cares? 
I remember it being about two, three weeks after we'd been officially dating that Patrice said to me, I'd like to invite my parents round. Oh, okay. When were you thinking? How about this Friday? Okay, well, you mean in about four days? Yeah, that'd be great. I'll have my parents come down here and I'll I'll cook something for us and we can all have dinner here at at my apartment. All right, fine. I, I look forward to it. I remember being a little bit apprehensive about it, talking to James and saying, uh, Patrice wants me to meet her parents. He laughed and he said, you know her father's a sergeant in the L.A. Sheriff's Department. And I said, yeah, I do. You better watch out. (laughs) That's all I needed to hear. I remember when that day came, I was at my apartment getting myself ready, put on some jeans. This is not a T-shirt night. I think I'd better actually put on a proper shirt with a collar. I went over to Patrice's house, went up those stairs to her front door, rang the doorbell. Patrice came and answered it. She looked gorgeous. A pastel blue sort of tank top with some little shorts, her hair cascading round her face. She stepped out. We had a quick hug and a brief kiss. All right, you ready? Ready as I'll ever be. All right. I'll introduce you first to my mom and then my dad. As we stepped into the house, there was her mom standing there. I could see where Patrice got her good looks from. Hi, Mom. This is Reed. Reed, this is my mom, Pat. Hi, Pat. Very nice to meet you. I could see her face light up. I extended my hand. We shook hands. Very nice to meet you, Pat. Oh, nice to meet you too, Reed. Oh, and Dad, this is Reed. Reed, this is my dad, Carl. How are you doing, young man? As I reached out my hand, here it was being gripped by this sergeant in the LA Sheriff's Department, three Dan Black Belt in Kung Fu. That was a firm grip. And as he looked me in the eye, I could tell that he was absorbing everything about me. Why don't you guys sit in here, get to know each other better. Mom and I will just go in the kitchen, get things ready. And, Dad, do you fancy a beer? Reed, do you fancy a beer? Oh, yeah, that would be, that'd be great, Patrice. Yeah, let, let's go for one of those. As they went into the kitchen, Carl and I sat down in the living room. So, how are you enjoying it here in San Diego? Oh, uh, uh, yeah, it's wonderful, uh, Mr. Lorenzen. No, 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 call me Carl. Oh, thanks very much, Carl. Uh, I shall. Um, so, did you guys have a, a pleasant drive down here? Obviously, I was nervous. What do I say? How do I conduct myself with him? Oh, no, everything was fine, fine, fine. There was this little silence. Patrice comes around the corner with a beer for both of us. Straight out of the bottle, I suppose, California style. She gives us both a bottle. She goes to leave. Uh, well, to a wonderful evening there, uh, Carl. Uh, absolutely. We clink our bottles and take a sip of beer. Looking around the room for next point of conversation, I noticed the television was on. It's hooked up to a Nintendo system, and it's there at the start screen of Super Mario Brothers. Oh, uh, was that left on for the kids earlier? I asked Carl. No, I, I'm, I enjoy playing some video games. You play? Oh, yeah, I do, Carl. I love playing video games. Well, let's, let's have a go. We went over to the TV. Carl picked up that remote, and off he went. Is he a good player? Yeah, he was. As good as me? I wouldn't really say that, but he was good. What was so fun to watch was he knew all the little moves. He knew where to jump. He knew where to duck. 
Even he pointed out to me, oh, you know there's a secret room in here. Oh, yeah, I do know that, Carl. It was fun. We both had a similar interest in video games. That was the start of my wonderful relationship with Carl. All right, you guys want to come grab something to eat? Oh, yeah, yeah, no problem. All right, let's turn it off here, we said. With that, Carl and I joined Pat and Patrice at the dinner table. Carl sat at the head, Pat opposite him, Patrice and I sitting opposite each other. Beautiful lasagna set in front of us with salads for all of us. Before we ate, Carl said, let's say grace. I reached out my left hand, grabbing Carl's, who grabbed Patrice, her mom, and her mom held my hand. The four of us sat around that table, and Carl said grace. With amen, we tucked in to a wonderful meal. The conversation just flew. We were laughing. They were asking me questions about the UK. I was telling them things that they'd never heard before. It was funny. At times, Patrice had to translate, because obviously I think the accent was a little difficult for them to catch at first. By the end of that evening, I knew that Patrice had two absolutely wonderful parents. The degree to how wonderful they were would only become even more apparent to me as the years proceeded. I bought a place. I, I went out and I bought a condo. So the following February, Patrice said that her lease was up and she was thinking that, why don't we move in together? And I said, sure, why don't we? So Patrice moved in with me in 91 and everything went from there. And it was absolutely wonderful. We had a great arrangement. I paid for the mortgage. Patrice paid for everything else. We were both earning a, a good salary and we got into motorcycle racing. Patrice went out and bought her own bike and that's what we used to do. About once or twice a month, we would go out and race motorcycles, which is kind of crazy, but that's what we did. Time went along and obviously I eventually took all my classes and I was ready to graduate. My mom and dad were so proud. They both flew out and attended my graduation ceremony. And I remember seeing my mom cry as I walked along that platform in my gown and my mortarboard, shook hands with the dean of the university and received my degree. It was actually just a generic blue folder and you could put your degree in there later. We went out for a wonderful meal afterwards, and it was one of the few times I could see my dad was really proud of me. My dad was getting ready to leave the next day. We were over at my house, and my dad outlined what the next step would be. With this new degree that I had, my dad wanted me to return to the United Kingdom and take over being the sales director for the whole of Biozyme. Hmm. I've now been in San Diego for almost five years. I loved it. I'd found the woman of my dreams. Living this life, the last thing that I wanted to do was come back to rainy England. I looked at my dad, and even though I knew he wasn't going to be happy, I told him, Dad, I'm not coming back. My dad just looked at me. I could see that vein pulsing on his forehead. And he said, right, well, if that's your choice, Biozone will continue to pay you until the end of this year, and then that's it. Fine. I got it, Dad. I'm sorry things didn't work out the way that we'd originally planned, but I appreciate you understanding. 
My dad went home and I already knew and my relationship with my father was again under a cloud. Reed has led a law-abiding life. He's a wonderful, caring, charismatic, passionate, just a great guy, the kind of guy that would help somebody across the street. He's just a, a kind soul. He's a good-hearted person that I think God created a wonderful human being in Ridwan. And um, we hit it off in 86 like we'd been grown up together, you know. I would say that um, somebody saw Reed today, anywhere he goes, he generates warmth, affection, niceness, calmness. He's very calm, very reasonable. You can have a discussion about things. He might disagree with you politically and he'll be able to articulate his differences of opinion and allow you to have yours, you know? And I think that's a welcome thing. Um, but yeah, Reed's, he's the salt of the earth, what I would call great people. She's not going to give me the money, I thought. What the hell am I going to do? It's not supposed to go down like this. I decided to help focus her attention. I moved my hand to lift my sweatshirt to expose the 45 in my waistband. As I did that, I felt around and... Crap! I left it in the truck. At that moment, she opened a drawer and started to take stacks of bills out and put them into the bag. Phew! We're back on track. My mind was racing, and I just wanted her to be done as soon as possible. However, as she was looking as though she was finished, I noticed a large stack of $20 bills with a paper band around them. I grunted, the 20s, and gesticulated towards the stack. Looking directly at me, she paused slightly, then took the stack out of the drawer, placed it in the bag, and then purposely pressed on the money bag before sliding it over to me. We're done, I thought. I stepped back with the money bag while looking directly at her. I briefly looked to my left at the security guard's desk. He was still filling in his paperwork. I turned to my right and started to walk towards the exit. Just as I was entering the lobby area, I looked at the teller's location and she was gone. But who cares? I'm out of here. Through the first door, I reached the outer door and pulled it towards me. It didn't budge. I pulled it again. Same result. No! I thought. The teller's pressed an alarm and I'm trapped in the small lobby area. I started to panic and thought about trying to smash the glass in the door to make my escape. My head was spinning and I pushed on the glass to gauge how tough it was. With that, the door gently opened as a customer came in. <laughs> Oh, I needed to push, not pull. What an idiot. As I stepped into the sunlight, I again told myself not to run. There was someone on my left using an ATM, but they didn't notice me as I passed behind them. Then they turned to their left and went into the bank. I just about got to the corner of the building and was about to head in a diagonal direction towards my truck when I heard a strange pop sound coming from the bag. I looked down and started to see a dark cloud of red smoke billowing from the zipper seam. Not knowing what the hell was happening, I tossed the bag like a frisbee underneath a parked car 
and looked around to see if anyone had witnessed this pyrotechnic display. I continued to walk towards my truck and quickly reached it in a state of panic, fear and relief. I was nervously sweating and wiped my brow while taking off the hat and removing my sunglasses. I quickly started the engine and drove towards an exit. I noticed that the red smoke had stopped erupting from the bag, so I pulled up alongside that parked car, jumped out and quickly retrieved it, throwing it into the footwell of the truck. As I pulled onto the main road, I again wiped some sweat from my forehead and headed towards a freeway ramp. I looked behind me and didn't see anyone apparently following me. Damn, that was close. But I think I got away. All of a sudden, my face exploded with an excruciating burning sensation and my right eye felt like it had been doused in battery acid. I immediately realized that it had been a dye pack in the money and along with the red smoke was also some kind of pepper spray. With my face on fire and only one functioning eye, I managed to drive back to the vicinity of my bank. Parking off street, a safe distance from the building, I jumped out and quickly changed back into my shirt and slacks. I put my tie in my pocket and drove back into my bank's parking lot. I left everything underneath the front seats. Upon entering the building, I immediately went to the restroom to rinse my face, which was melting like dark man. 